All right, Jerkoffs, welcome back to our very first two-part episode featuring Scotland's Phil Nickel. Just kidding, he's definitely Canada's Phil Nickel. You can hear it in the calmness of his accent and the long life of his parents. Yeah, Scottish people don't live to 90. That's just not something that happens. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the first half talking about you know, going in between countries, the little little back and forth immigration back in the day, which is not as easy as it is these days, overcoming a stutter, and then meeting the goddamn queen with your parents. That's a that's a pretty sweet deal. If you get to meet the queen and you get to you get to bring some guests and you pick your parents. I never I never like it when the athletes bring their mums to like the the award ceremony or like the celebrities bring their mums to the Oscars. But if you're having a little shindig in the Queen's house and your parents are British, that's a pretty sweet move. Uh, I love the fact that on the way to that, they felt the need to apologize (laughs) to Phil for not supporting him like things hadn't already worked out quite well for him. Um, Anyway. I just wanted to say that. I want to dive straight into this episode as quick as possible. Uh, Two things. I just thought it'd be nice to... You'll hear in this that Phil actually played a role in starting one of London's, uh, I guess, premier new material nights. One of the ones that's lasted the test of time and gathered a very loyal following and had a lot of crazy celebrity uh, guests. Uh, Old Rope, he was responsible for starting that. Um... And he's got a new one these days, every Tuesday at the Tap Room in Islington. Uh, It's called The Delivery Room, which is run with himself, Russell Hicks, and Sarah Callahan, all of whom are friends of mine. Uh, And the caliber of the lineups there is crazy. Uh, If you want to see some very successful comedians trying new stuff, that is the place to go. Uh, Beyond that, if you are a jerk-off, loyal to me, and want to see me, I'm at Leicester this weekend the 10th of February uh, at 5 p.m. at the Brewdog doing the Leicester Comedy Festival. It is a new show called Nothing Personal. I don't know if that name is going to make it to Edinburgh, but we'll see. Uh, It's free entry or you can reserve a ticket for five pounds. I don't really mind what you do. Just turn up because it would be nice to say these horrible new ideas to a loving audience. Uh, That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, the second half. Let's crack on with Mr. Phil Nickel. In fact, my life and my last show, You're Wrong, and my whole life has been dealing with uh, trauma and these things through laughter and through comedy yeah. and I don't and I think there's more than enough studies done to prove that la- laughter just get more oxygen to the brain for one just mm. very, so you're able to think more clearly after having a good laugh but but I think because of the the, the recent comedy that's been made it's almost like comedy is not good enough to solve these problems anymore I, I think that's a mistake I personally think that's a mistake I, I feel it's a mistake and I and I can only base it on my own yeah, my own experience that I wouldn't be my parents, even though they're these really clean cut Christian people, still mm. have a really wonderful sense of humor. They're Scottish and they love to laugh, and they but they will not let you make fun of someone who's in pain or someone who's, uh, you know, a, a, a subject subjugate, subjugated. They wouldn't. My parents don't. You know, they're very empathetic to people, but they love to tease each other and they love to make fun of us. Yeah. So, And that's like a nice thing. You know? I, I think it's a release. I think it's good to release that tension. Yeah, I, I think... For, it's why you laugh at funerals. I mean, it's uh, it's like, it's a it's a cliche, but... Totally, and it takes the edge off the thing. It doesn't disrespect the dead person. Yeah. You're still at the funeral. You're, you're sad they're there. The reason you're making the joke is because you know how sad you are. I hope you like, laugh at my funeral, mate. I mean, so do I. But depends, although, depends who's emceeing we'll see exactly yeah <laughs> that's it it's um, I, well I, hopefully ideally it would be Kerry Marks Kerry Marks yeah. your boy yeah. oh man one Fun, the, funniest human being I've I've met dude one of the <clears throat> although, although I have to I have to say because it's there's people are going to hear this and sure. well, I was but yeah. I, mean, I was in a group called Cork and the Juice Pigs for years and my friend Greg Neal and that is is one of the funniest funniest but he's really 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 empathetic in fact he sums up the thing we're talking about he he works as a psychologist with uh 
with kids that were in juvenile juveniles and stuff. And he lives in Australia. He lives in Castlemaine. Oh. Uh, he works with. Uh, he does some works with some heavy duty um, um, tortured and trauma, traumatized yeah. people. He's got the most twisted sense of humor. Yeah, he's got the most lovely twisted sense of humor. I think the more twisted is your sense of humor, the more loving and the more empathy you got. Yeah, and I think you're more able to negotiate people's pain. Yeah, that's interesting. But that's yeah. interesting. It's interesting that he's out of the comedy because, like, yeah, we should we should get onto Corky the Juice Pigs. We should get in there. Okay, Corky, we should we should get in Corky and the Juice Pigs. Corky and the Juice Pigs. We did we well should, in Australia. We, we did pretty do, well. Do a lot of Australians listen to this podcast? Um, mainly UK people at the okay. moment. I'm hoping to get more Australian people. Well, we did. We did in the UK. We did um, well, our our, fir- our first. We one of our first our gigs in England, not mm. not Scotland, because that was Edinburgh. But yeah, our first gigs in England was on that Jonathan Ross's Last Resort on t- TV. Oh wow! And the booking, the comedy booker was uh, Malcolm Hardy, the infamous Malcolm Hardy, the fa- very famous Malcolm Hardy. Yeah, but he was actually the comedy booker for the for that TV show. For, for anyone who doesn't know Malcolm Hardy, he used to be the resident compare at up the, the creek, up the creek, and the Tunnel Club before and, that. Yeah. yeah, and basically, like, kind of any kind of off the wall, insane comedy owes a lot to this man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mo- almost anything. He 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 um, championed uh, odd and unusual. Yeah, he championed. He didn't want it to be the same. He didn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be allowed to be boring in his club. Well, I, I heard. I heard a tale that once yeah. a guy fell asleep in the front row. Yeah, and he pissed on it. Yeah, Might and possibly everyone loved it. Possibly it was like wasn't it wasn't even I, like I don't a weird I don't thing. think that's like a one off thing. <laughs> I think like remember <laughs> that night his, when like just one of his things. Don't fall asleep in front of Malcolm Hardy. Yeah, he'll piss on you. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. There's, so, there's so many stories. He's he's got a book called. Um, I, I think it's called I I I stole Freddie Mercury's birthday cake, uh, uh, which also. is which is which is worth reading for yeah. anyone, not just comedians, as a book uh, of of all the stories of things he did. Well, look, we'll put that. There was a car chase in Greenwich where the where the, the car came around the corner, and the police came after him, and the police hit the curb and flipped the car flipped over, and he walked up to the police car, knocked on the window, and said, "Excuse me, sir, is this your car?" <laughs> <laughs> He was oh, Malcolm yeah. Hardy. He was that one is... of the kind. So yeah, the Juice Pigs. He he championed us, right in uh, this country. But what this... about in the states? I want to talk a little bit stateside. Is this after? No, yeah, no. That was before. We 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 actually came from Canada. Went to we crashed the Melbourne Comedy Festival, the third annual Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. Um. So this is like way back in the day. Yeah. But, but pre, I think it's pre, like the, the no pre Susan Proven. It was like a twenty five twenty five years of Melbourne Comedy. Uh, Nineteen ninety. Ninety ninety. Yeah, shit. It must be thirty years of the comedy festival. So there you go. So uh, yeah, we we and then uh, Karen Corrin, who runs a Gilded Balloon, yeah. he- heard about us there and invited us to come to Edinburgh. She thought we were Australian when we arrived. She went, "I thought you were Australian." Went, oh, yeah, finger on the pulse, Karen. That's it. Uh, but she but she got us on there, and that and that took off. Our our the whole thing took off for us. Mm. Malcolm Hardy saw it there, and then um, but then many years later, we went to the states, and we were on. We went to we crashed the Montreal Comedy Festival because mm-hmm. we were like kind of these punk. We we were like we saw comedy as punk, right? <clears throat> we saw comedy as break, let's break the rules. Our songs were we had songs like I want to join the Ku Klux Klan, Burn Victim Girl, and we were mm-hmm. kind of like if you're Australian, you know the Doug Anthony All Stars. We kind of got to Australia and uh, and I know Paula loved this, but we blew them out of the water. <laughs> they, they they couldn't follow us. Yeah, and uh, and um, although I, we do love those guys, but but they but similarly, I think we just arrived. Two continents on different sides of the world. Yeah, comedy bands. He's got these three. He's got these trios out of nowhere that that we used to push the boundaries and make people, you know, the fear factor. The the the. I don't know if you would get away with it quite the same anymore. Yeah. Um, so what but, do you mean by crash? Like, as in you were you like not invited to the festival? Yeah, we just no. Yeah, we the, we noticed that Montreal Comedy Fest was on, so we built a banner in our backyard. Yeah, figured out a way. I figured out a way of using um, plumbing pipe so that it would screw together. So we we practiced putting it up so we could get up in about a minute. Yeah, it was on canvas. We go. We throw it up. Yeah. So we just go. We went to the street of. We took our van. Went to the street of Montreal. Yeah. Uh, 
threw it up in the street. Like Montreal, you have to be programmed. It's a, it's a curated festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had stages at the corners of and, the street. Very heavily curated. More so than probably any Oh, festival very heavily curated. In we, the world. We threw our banner up, started singing. Yeah. Uh, within 10 minutes, there was a crowd of about 200 people around us. The security came to try to stop us. And the the crowd gathered around us and wouldn't let security. Uh, so the guy was, had his security <laughs> guy went, oh, and went off. And yeah. uh, they came back with Bruce Hills. I think it was Bruce. It might have not actually been Bruce but he came back with passes for us and the woman who was booking the outside stage is going look you can you can only perform during these times because that's when there's nothing else on the other stages right so they let us stay and perform the rest of the weekend awesome yeah and then the next year we were invited back and did the gala that's sick so, yeah that's, that's so a, funny you guys yeah. are proper doing it punk oh man yeah doing a, pro- doing a proper proper punk uh yeah yeah, we, we we just we so we just showed up in Australia at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. <laughs> we flew to Melbourne. We 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 got flights. We had uh, a contact in Sydney who was uh, um, he was a, a guy that um, did bands like um, Weddings Parties Anything. He was a manager for Weddings Parties Anything. Yeah, uh, Paul Thomas from that band became our road manager. We went to we arrived in Melbourne. We they we convinced the Prince Pat, which at the time was not a huge venue. It had. Um, um, who played uh, Joe uh, uh, Joe Mengele in Neighbours? Um, oh, I got nothing. Oh, it was he's a famous Australian comedian. Uh, this is going to embarrass, embarrass uh, me. Now. No, uh, Mark, sorry. Mark Little. Mark, so Mark, Mark sure. Little was a huge star at the time. Yeah, was selling out the Prince Pat, but it was off the beaten track because at that point the festival, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, it wasn't even in the town hall. I don't think at that point. Yeah. It was, it, it, uh, but it. So we rocked up, uh, got on the to support Mark Little. Uh, after the second night, we were because our shows were used to like be like two and a half hours long. We just like would rampage. Oh wow! So we we Jesus, we we, we, do, we did our we did our hour, but like mm. Mark Little, his audience totally yeah. packed Prince Pat. After the second night, he went, Can, "We'll change it around. I'll go on first because uh, he's drawing the crowd. crowd yeah, audience. you guys go on second. You can do as long as you want." And we were doing these like two hour long shows. Wow! And uh, by the end of that run, uh, I was uh, we were. Uh, uh, asked to be on the big gig, the big gig, uh, the big gig. That sounds like a Australian TV show. Australian TV show. Yeah, which had like had regular. You can just tell an Australian TV show by the title. The yep. big gig. Li- Skid li- live, 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 live thing. The Doug and All Stars had become successful enough. They were only on every third show. Right. So they then uh, Ted Robinson saw the Juice Pigs and went, "Well, we'll just use them." Yeah. So he tried to get us on the show. There was a huge furor amongst the Australian comedians because people uh well i won't name names but some of the <laughs> older comedians who you will know who are like now the gods of uh, australian comedy yeah uh were furious that we were being put on when they'd be trying to hard to get on for years uh, yeah. so they there was a big meeting that we weren't allowed to go to where they decided to let us on once and not he wanted us on all six episodes on like the right six episodes. so they gave you one so shot. i stayed in australia yeah uh, and in that time got engaged and uh that was on your first and, visit and, and to we, Australia. My, that was our second visit to second Australia. Second visit. Met this lady, got engaged. Stayed then, stayed longer to be on the show, and then and then uh, and we're on the show uh, with uh, um, scared weird little guys. No, it was scared weird little guys. They weren't on it yet. It was the Umbilical Brothers and uh, Lennon Woodley. Lennon Woodley, who were the found objects. Uh, I think they might have still been the found objects at that point. Interesting. They, they were a trio. This is some proper. So I go way back. You do go way back. Way, like, way back. Way back. I like, don't really talk about that often because it seems like a, that's, that's my, that was my first comedy career when that broke up. The band. This is the, well, the second chapter on the website if you want to follow the website. Yeah. Now in the third chapter. Corky and the Juice Pigs, yeah. Yeah, and now third, third chapter we're talking the solo stuff. But you went to LA. Well, Corky and the Juice Pigs, we, we ended up going to LA. Mad TV. We were on, we were on development deals with Disney. Right. Uh, audition, audition at the peak of my success, audition for Steven Spielberg. Wow! For we were um, we were seen as a trio, and yeah. Disney was trying to find a project a project that we could do as a trio. So they had us. Uh, they had like a prod. There was one that uh, the guys from the Monkees had written. Mickey Dolan's had written about two two guys that live above a pizza shop that wrote jingles, and they changed it to three guys. They had a, <laughs> they had a, a movie called. Um, 
the Astro Nuts, which they, which there was about about Astro two, nuts? About, two about two guys that get stuck in a, a, a two dumb like Dumb and Dumber who they get stuck in a, yeah. a a rocket with a monkey and go to the moon, but then was made into Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. Oh, uh, that, yeah, yeah. That yeah. They, they rewrote it as three people. Yeah, uh, and the ghostly trio in Casper the Friendly Ghost, the the live action animated crossover. Right, right when that was still kind of cool. And yeah, yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, if you look at the ghostly trio. Uh, they kind of, kind of look. They kind of look like us, right? But we we didn't get that part. Didn't get. And that's it. A, that's a Steven Spielberg film. Really? Yeah. You got the edition for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like we in the room. For, we did same we did, room as the we, Berg. We, 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 three, we did three years. No, he wasn't in the room. Ah. We, we, we never got to actually shake hands. Damn it. Yeah. No. It's always the worst. No, but but he but that was for him. Yeah, still amazing. They were in. They, he still but, watched you. We did a screen test. Yeah, we did a couple of screen tests for it. Yeah. So three. three we were years. very close, but the thing is, we were young and stupid and arrogant. Yeah. Really arrogant, like a lot of young comedians. We our first flush of success had happened like after two years. We were on the Dudley Moore Comedy Club special. Uh, so four years later, we're suddenly in in Disney. But like Dri- how- driving around in a gold, we, if I remember correctly, it was a kind of they had a, a convertible Cadillac and a driver they'd given us because none of us <laughs> really drove. Yeah, and we were, I like suddenly slicking my hair back, wearing aviators. I was, oh, we, you went we, LA with it. That's all mess. right. I know. How, how old? How old? I was a horrible mess. I, how I old were you? Twenty-five. Yeah, exactly. You're twenty-five. As if you're gonna handle that well. Yeah. Come on, twenty-five. Being, that kind being of told, success. Going in, going in to meet the the head of comedy. The yeah. head of comedy <laughs> in the in the Disney building yeah. every week to discuss what the new project was going to be. Oh, man. Until we were going to be the next big thing, and then we end up on Mad TV because we a friend of ours, Brian Hart, mm. who was one of the executive producers of Mad TV, was one of the head writers for the Kids in the Hall and the first the original John Stewart show. Yeah, uh, he um, you know got up, got this job with Mad, uh, which was a. Um, a huge production at the time because it was it was the had a going huge up, cast go, going up against Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it was that was they put so many people through Mad TV. Absolutely, that was yeah. like Artie Lang, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Will Sasso. Yeah. yeah, oh man. So 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 the, so if you you know to get on that, we did a, a season and a half, and that's when the, and that 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 experience broke the group up. That that uh, being thinking we were in the, believing the hype, basically. right? Um, and I could I could do a course on this. <laughs> and, I, and I watch it. I watch it happen again and again and again because I see all these kids, good kids, good comedians, right. really nice people backstage. Get out, start get stuff on the Apollo, mm. and they get twisted, and they start, and and then the kids that don't get on the shows mm. get really twisted and get bitter. And you, around around the twelve year mark, between the eight and twelve year mark, I can guarantee you, there's comedians that have start to they start to separate at eight year eight year mark. Yeah. Some of their friends start to make it. And uh, some of them get really twisted and bitter, and I think you have to avoid it. Yeah. And remember why you did it in the first place, because success—you can—you can either see me as a as a massive failure or a huge success. But I—I've only ever done comedy and worked as an actor, so I have to convince myself it's success. I have convinced myself it's success, uh, but then I I'm, can also look and go, well, I'm never going to be on QI. But, <laughs> But, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, like from where from where I'm sitting, it's a success. Just yeah, sure. you know, as a as a young as a young comedian looking I, at it, I don't have as much of a stutter. I mean, yeah, you got through the speech impediment thing. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? Well, a little bit, a little bit, still there. Yeah. But you, you've done so many different things. But the sorry, the one thing just before we get out of LA, how did you find LA? Like, we you you were like. You're in the position to have prime LA, right? Like LA, it's like a lot of people struggling. Yeah. You're the you're the next big thing guy in LA. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you're on we TV. Were, yeah. Was yeah, it yeah. was it great? Was it terrible? I mean, it obviously broke the well, group well, up. Well, well, yeah, broke the group. But up. Was it fun? It broke the group up. We lost to my. I lost my marriage, and Greg lost his marriage. Jesus. Uh, and he had ten month old son. My wife left me on a Saturday. His wife left him on a Monday of the same weekend. Uh, and they they didn't not like they planned. They didn't speak to each other. They just did it. Um, we so were they, they were there with you. you success, guys... success, just sort of that 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 near success, that Mad TV success. Yeah. In fact, it's probably looking back. If I'm being reasonable, it's lucky that we didn't. We were offered another season, and the group broke up, and and uh, and Sean Cullen didn't had decided he wanted to move on and do some other stuff. Mm. Uh, that broke the group up. Uh, it's a it's a horrible story, but I, so I won't get into it. But yeah. but it's it, it was acrimony and uh, and heartache, and then and then our and then our wives our wives left us, and then the group broke up. So in the space of about two months, I lost 
my wife, my two closest friends, and then the two guys in the group and the two managers who were also our friends from. So I lost about seven closest people in my life. Jesus, and and your job, I guess and, as and, well. And my yeah, no, I, oh. I I moved to England on the behest of an agent, a friend of mine, my now agent, mm. uh, who said you can you could if you could scrape together like I get some and I started doing open spots. Well, Noel Faulkner gave me a gig at the at the comedy calf. Yeah. Uh, and the support act was Ed Byrne. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I went on and died miserably to the point where he paid me for the next weekend and told me not to come back. Oh, that's your intro to London. Yeah. That's welcome, your start. Well, you, welcome to London. Because you'd never lived in London yet, right? This is yeah. all Canada, then LA. I kind of had been coming back and forth to the... To, the, to do the, shows. To do the festival and do shows. Yeah. yeah we working in, we're working in the UK about three months of the year and touring nationally. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. no, just because there's... Yeah. Is this like, in any way interesting? Dude, I mean, I don't I'm, know. I'm captivated. <laughs> but I, 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 I've done a lot. Yeah. I Ed, mean, Ed, Bur- Ed Byrne was our, we, we, we needed a tour, uh, an opening, a support act for our tour. Yeah. Uh, because there was three of us, we weren't making a lot of money. Like it's hard to tour. Because like, you got to split everything. You got to split yeah, it yeah, three yeah. ways yeah. and pay for gotcha. about three hotels. Blah, blah, blah. We, a lot of time we stayed in the same hotel room. Um, mm. Ed Byrne was, uh, I've, I've been doing comedy and I th- he will correct me, but if I'm wrong, but about six months or so, um, he was phenomenal from the minute he started. He just right. is, he's the guy, just natural. natural he just he, gets it. Yeah, he just got, he was getting it. So we took him on tour, gave him 50 pounds, but a show, which actually nowadays is what, you know, it's ridiculous. There was actually a a low amount for what we wanted to pay him, Mm. but we gave him like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how many dates there were, like, if I'm making up 30 to 60 dates. Sure. The tour all through uh, uh, UK, and he did all those, and he became such a better comedian just hanging out with us. Uh, mm. But he was already phenomenal. Don't I, I don't want to make yeah, it sound he's like one me, of those guys who had he, it. But immediately. just by being around us, I think he kind of went, "Oh my God, this is what I want to do." And mm. and then and there was he was in a he was in a, 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 a class with um, David Haddingham and Adam Bloom and. Uh, and Brendan Burns, they were, and, yeah. and Andrew Maxwell, they were all mates. Oh, so okay. that's the, so. So you think about it. I was already that was the end of my first comedy career, and that was there. That was the beginning of their comedy. And career. And those so, guys have been going around. I just, I just well, had, they're seen as the they're seen as the good the daddies of. Well, that's the thing. I just had Adam Bloom on this thing, and I was like, man, you've been doing comedy a long time. And yeah, you're like, that was that was your second phase. We took him. We took him on tour. Ed couldn't do a couple of dates, and we took Adam there on tour with us. Yeah. Well, the one the one thing I was going to say about the move to London. This is like I found this because you know obviously this podcast we talk a lot about coming to the uk we haven't even got there yet because you've you've done so much but you're the only person that i've ever heard get like at a low point you came to london most people it's kind of like everything's going really well go to london give it like give it (laughs) give it a go yeah in this like scary gloomy city whereas you're just like my marriage is just over i just lost my job just i saw my best friends yeah miserable i'm gonna go to london i'm gonna go to the place that makes happy people miserable yeah I found that incredible. I was like, man, that is ballsy. Yeah. And this is one agent just believed in you. Well, uh, we, I'd been staying, I'd been living on her couch off and on in, in different places. We became friends in Edinburgh. <clears throat> so when I came to tour with the, with the Juice Pigs, we each had a different place we would, we would stay. Right. In London, just and to I, save and I, money, yeah. and I was always welcome to stay with with her wherever they were, and her, and I live with a guy called Donald, and another friend of mine, Matt, who we knew as the was his nickname was Mindless Drug Hoover, not nickname. He's got a he's a he was a musician called Mindless Drug Hoover, and, <laughs> and, and, and I would st- I would doss with them, yeah, I would doss with them. So it, when she saw what I was going through, yeah, she felt sorry for me, invited me to come and to stay and get away from Toronto because that's where my my uh, my ex-wife uh, uh, was Australian and had moved I'd see, so she'd given up a lot she'd, she'd given up her uh, she had an acting career she moved to Toronto and then when she moved to Toronto I suddenly was off in LA and I think it, it just took its toll yeah. I, I've talked about it in a show called The Weary Land one of the original members of the Juice Pigs there's me Sean Cullen Greg Neal but one of the the original member was Joe Costa yeah, and after about two years, we were uh, we our careers took off. When it was Joe Costa, we were on the Dudley Moore Comedy Club special and on the ABC mm-hmm. uh, uh, in America. Yeah, not sure. Australia. That was like a big, and uh, it was a huge TV show. Yeah, I mean, I, and I I'd, I'd like to go back and see who was on it, but like Dave Chappelle, it was like you right. Know, all we, were, we our first year in Montreal, Dave Chappelle and Adam Sandler and uh, I'm trying to think of they they supported us. 
Wow. Our support act. That was the way. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before Adam Sandler even played music. He saw, I think, I, I, and I don't care what he thinks of me now, but Adam <laughs> Sandler saw us, us, yeah. and the next year came back with a guitar and wrote a little chicken song. Get the hell out of yeah. here. I think, I, I don't know if he'd ever ex- admit that, that we influenced him, but yeah, yeah that's why. So, so that was, that's, that's where we were at. So I think Joe had left the group after he, I, and he said, I, this is a true story verbatim. I said, well, I mean, why don't, why are you quitting the group? And he said, well, I don't like all the travel. Yeah. And I said, so what are you going to do? He went, um, uh, uh, I don't like all the touring. Yeah. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to travel, right? And so that's, so we, because we, we'd been across Canada in a van like a couple of times and it's yeah. just grueling. It is, yeah. The, the, Especially when you're starting. We, 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 our first trip across Canada, we had, uh, with well, the first one with Greg, is we didn't have any money. We, we bought, buy a box of cereal each and we, we'd hang on a styrofoam cup and eat cereal out of a cup with milk in the van. That's how we would, Right. That's all we could really afford. Yeah, that's that's what got it. That's what especially when there's three of you because everything splits and everything, everything split. every accommodation. If we were lucky, we get yeah. chicken wings at the club. Like, oh, man. like, like we 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 really struggled. Yeah, to make I think a I think a lot of people don't get the the poverty of touring. Initially. It was horrible. Like we were we were like in a we were in a van that broke down regularly. <laughs> we were touring Western Canada, like in minus fifty degree weather, coming oh. from Ontario, not realizing that it was going to be that cold. We had like jean jackets on and right. no hat. We had to go and buy hats, which we couldn't afford. So we'd go to the good, we'd go to the Goodwill to buy gloves that were too big. Oh man, etc. This is great. So, so that's yeah. that's that's what we were doing. So Joe quit. Yeah. And Greg, instead of breaking the group up, because we thought we were doing pretty well, Greg joined and two days later did his first gig with us. Wow. And he was a he was a he was a multi instrumentalist and a music, and was writing his own songs. So we actually gained something from that. Yeah. Because Joe was never Joe was a personality, but was never that creative. Yeah, sure. So we gained from that, and I suddenly became the straight man. Joe was the straight man. Right. He used to smoke a cigar on stage. He was very attractive. You were, wait, you were the straight man. I became the straight man in the wow. Juice Pigs. Yeah, I played the guitar. And I was the one to do all the intros. Drawing and, on this theater training. Yes, my <laughs> voice. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so so that's that's how that that's what happened. We suddenly. Uh, when our career took off, I wasn't there. I wasn't available for my my ex. Joe had gone away and worked for Teach for America, which is a program where he teaching like student yeah, urban environments. World, yeah. yeah. So he'd come back with no money, and he's still one of my f- close friends at, th- mm. at that point. So I said, "Look, I've got a room in my house. Uh, I'll lend you some money. I got him some clothes. I got him a job. Help him get a job. Yeah. Um, and he, I gave him the pig, and he and he wanted the hog." What do you guess? So he, he ended up uh, he ended up having a uh, anyway that's yeah a relationship he, with you my, my my relationship with my wife broke up over my two two of my friends um, having sexual relationships relations with her but but to be honest we her and I are not her and I her and I have reacquainted our friends and I and I yeah. feel bad if she heard this without me saying. I have to take 50% of the blame for that sure. because because what happened was I was coming back from LA to Joe in the house mm. with money being successful in the group he quit and by like not even realizing off my face on drugs by not letting anyone else buy a drink and ah, no, I'll get these yeah. Go, going to the bar where he worked and buying like everyone at the bar shot of tequila yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly picking up the bill where there'd be like 12 of us at a table I go I'll get that thinking yeah I was going to be the next big thing and I think he really resented it for me she must have resented that I was away all the time mm. and that's it happens and I have to take 50 percent of that yeah, I had I call I I didn't think that at the time, but I caused that. Yeah, you, I, I pushed them together. You weren't. I, I wasn't. That. I wasn't thinking. I it was so arrogant. I thought, well, that would never happen to me. Yeah, and it did. <sighs> and it's happened again since then as well. What? In, in the last few years, Joe. I, Joe again? No, no, I, no. I, no, another <laughs> comedian friend of mine. Oh God! Ran off with my girlfriend of four years. Oh yeah. man. He's still out there though, and I won't. So I won't say his name. You won't say okay. I can't say his name. Were you, were you buying drinks then as well, or was that just that a different well, different game? No, I was still being equally generous, as I still maintain. A generous I think, man. Yeah, I think generosity is a, a, a an underrated. Uh, Agreed. An underrated thing. hundred percent. I think, right. in fact, through through generosity, I'm sitting here with you. That's the true. Gener- generosity of people's couches, generosity of people feeding us, comedians. Yeah. Comedians live off the generosity of others, for sure. Dude, it's crazy. I'm only giving it back. A little bit. A little bit in podcast form. Time is all you have to give someone your time. So yeah. if you've listened to this whole podcast, thank you for giving us 
your time. Well, look, and, and the, I'm sorry, I can't be the whole podcast unless you've got somewhere to be. No, no, to be? not at all. Great. I refuse. There's so much more. Okay. I've never, I've never had someone on who's got so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> genuinely, I'm just like, I've got stuff here and I'm like, I need to talk about this. I can't even... Because you're in London now, solo. So, yeah. So, you've lost the safety net of the band. Doing open spots. Doing open spots as the guy who was supposed to be the next big thing. Well, we, we, drugs, we used to headline. Well, we headline. Headline. We headlined the comedy store for years. As Cork Digi speaks, yeah. when it used to be the old comedy store in Storm, not mm. not not the very original one, but the second one. Yeah. Uh, uh, ripping the roof off that. Yeah. You know, when in the years of Mark Jack D, Mark Lamar, Lee Evans, we sure. were like one of the. We were like the, an unstoppable act. There wasn't anyone that wanted to go on after the three of us. Um, I mean, you know, there was three people, so it does the yeah. the energy and the volume of our act. But it was we had a very powerful act. Well, I, uh, we had a very quick, fast. Well, you might furious. be you might be aware of this. You might not be, but as a, as someone who's like entered the UK scene recently, the perception of Phil Nickel is yeah. you don't want to follow Phil Nickel. All right, well that's quite you, nice. You don't. I, everyone's just been like that's any, anyone but him. I've like, had, I've had to go back up after. I've had to go back. I think it's I, I the energy thing is from the juice pigs. I, the trick I learned there is that you can really like blast energy into a room. You can, you mm. get the crowd up. Uh, it's it's a thing they use in street performing. It's called a hype. Yeah, you know, street performers sometimes only have two or three really good tricks, but it takes them a half an hour an hour to get to it. But they hype the audience. Yeah, and it's a bit, you get you you put energy into them and you make them excited and you get them excitable and. Um, then you can get away with really shit joke, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not yeah. what anyone has said. They've just said they don't want to follow you. Yeah, They've been yeah, like, yeah. Uh, fucking energy Mike, boy. Mike Wilmot calls my guitar the cheat stick. So. The cheat stick. Well, that's so it depends good. how you see it. That's exactly what Mike Wilmot would say. I wouldn't want to follow Mike Wilmot, though. He's another unfollowable. He's, he's no tricks, baby. No tricks. Rich Hall, unfollowable. Uh, but there, are people, there are people I just don't. I, I find really hard to follow. I've seen I've seen Russell Kane live. That's a oh, yeah. fucking lot of energy as well. Yeah. You're like, oof. Russell Kane, when I met Russell Kane, he was doing an open spot. Yeah. And the bill was uh, Adam Bloom, and then he was in the open spot, and then me. Oof. And, and, and Russell Kane was bald at the time, came up and went, uh, 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 I've been told uh, a bit like you and a bit like you. And I just went, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And Adam Bloom went, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Bloom immediately on the back foot. But you imagine that Russell Kane is, is a bit like and a cross between Adam Bloom and me. Yeah, I would agree with that. That would be a that'd be an exhausting show to see. Yeah. As an audience member, you'd walk away yeah. being like, "Fuck, there is nothing." He, he was left. good too. Russell Kane's always been. Uh, Russell Kane was always very good. Always I mean, you know, it, it's all subjective as well because there's people that you can. I can name any comedian that you'll find someone listening to podcast. Like, of course, them. fuck them. But I, I, I don't because of my experience. Uh, I don't judge you on your act. Yeah, I, I don't like when the when the juice pig started. We were at the Yuck Yucks Toronto for the first eleven months. Uh, some of the older the 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 uh, A list uh, the mm. they called they called them the the double A um, headliners. Yeah, uh, we suddenly went from we we did three open spots at the f- club. By the second open spot, we were he- the headline open spot on the on the new material night. Mm. And by the fourth one, um, Mark Breslin brought us in his office and gave us a feature, mm. like like headline. So yeah. we went from open spot to headline. There was no middling. Open spot. Open yeah. spot, four nights of open spot, and then headline. Bang. So th- you imagine how the resentment, furious, the oh, resentment yeah. amongst, especially the middles, mm. who've been working hard to get, but the, but the headliners used to pick on us and make fun of us and, and, and hurt, try to hurt us. But, but because we were unshakable and, and because there were three of us, you, they were stepping into a land, they were stepping on a landmine. If they picked on one of us, they got it from three sides. So people just left us alone. Yeah. But I've, I've learned, I, when I see young people, young kids or, or any open spot, I only want them to do well. Yeah. And I only want them to be super successful. And I only ever have done that. And hopefully that well, that gets remembered. It doesn't always, though. I mean, there's been loads of comedians being successful that don't wouldn't give me the time of day. But that, but that's you know, it's a subjective. And I was actually going to ask, just like on the on the kind of London side, because we with the London, obviously, yeah. Phil Nickel has grown into the Phil Nickel. No one wants to follow. Yeah, head headline like best club comic, all that, you know? I guess so. Very acclaimed I, festival I, shows I, as well. I, I guess so. I don't, know most, what, I don't know what that means, to the, be honest. The but most hours I've ever heard of anyone doing during an Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah, like 22. Fucking, fucking insane. Um, but no, the <laughs> None thing, of them good. The thing I was going to... S- still, still on the, uh, the Daniel Muggleton <laughs> podcast. Oh, hey, still. <laughs> Sorry, that was a slapping for both of us. I know. I slapped you and me. I felt that. That's the kind of joke I, <laughs> I would I slapped make. myself and in, in turn my... 
Yeah, it's like, funny, I didn't mean of, that. It's like I'm taking Thank this, you. I'm taking this both down. <laughs> uh, this could be the thing that cracks both of us, man. This could be the one. This is this is it, baby. This is going to take us on top. Run, run retreat by Mark Maron, and we're on. We're on. It's just like, man, what a great interview. But no, the resentment thing. I I was interested in this because you do a lot of theater. Yeah. For, by my account, you're an actor. You've toured in dancing as well. I have. I did a dance. I did. I was part of a, dancing. Yeah. I did have a contemporary dance theater company. Yeah. You toured as a and Tony, Tony, Tony Law and I have a dance duo called Night Danger. Night Danger. Good name, as always. Which, uh, which, if you ever get a chance to catch Night Danger, it really has to be seen to be believed. All right. Well, look, I'll keep an eye out for Night Danger. Toured as a legitimate musician. Uh, yeah. I, I, I played the I played the North by Northwest Festival in Toronto. In it with a group called Feeble, which originally had a member of the Bare Naked Ladies, Kevin Hearn, in it. And you can sing. I've got, I've, got, I've, got an, I've got an album. I've got an album called Ethel's Little Ditties, which is available on like. Is your mother's name iTunes. Ethel? Yep. Nice. I like uh, that. I, it sounds sweet. a bit creepy though. At some point, it sounds like Ethel's Little Titties, but. Little ditties, uh, come that, on. That, 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 was the joke. that was kind of the joke. That was kind of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what it is, is the comedian who I was on, who I will not name, yeah. uh, once said to me, oh yeah, you're just going to play some of your little ditties. And I was like, all oh, right, well, I'm just going to put out a whole album on my little ditties. Of little ditties. Uh, well, I was hoping that album would be successful so he'd have to live with that, but it wasn't. It was, well, look, but it's good, it's good. It's, it's out there though. You know, you know what the best cr- critique I had of Ethel's Little Ditties is Andre Vincent, who is a bit of a muso, mm. uh, sent me a message saying he really liked it. He listened to it in the car and he went, he went it's actually quite good, which for him, <laughs> which for Andre is a compliment. What a powerful compliment. Yeah. That's a, that's a classic man to man compliment. It was actually pretty good. You're actually no, kind of it's, funny. It's, it's, I didn't believe this could actually be quite good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but wait, and comedy bands. I got a, com- I got a comedy album called, uh, uh, late night electric watermelon, which I'm kind of embarrassed by name. now You've because a lot of good names. some of the songs on it are have um, the word midget in it. Okay, uh, but I've checked with my little people friends. It's all, it's all cool. And that, that show, but it's pre 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 watershed. I don't know. What <laughs> no, pre, before before you couldn't say the word. But, uh, before you couldn't say it. Of course, you, you can say it. You just not. It's not yeah. very polite. Yes, it's impolite to say. Uh, no, that's like comedy a, shouldn't necessarily be polite though. So no. But I mean, I find polite comedy a little bit hard to accept. I'm okay. I'm okay with polite. I I respect anyone who works clean. Like I respect yeah. is a thing, but I just would never put it on myself. No, because I I swear all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've actually not sworn very much in this because I think I've I've been too interested. Yeah, to, I don't. To swear. I don't think I. I think I swear way more on stage as Phil Nickel. You know. Yeah. Well, I want to see, see the character Phil. That sounds so Austin. So nice. The character. It's not character. Well, yeah. I yeah. I want to get into this a little bit because I always like to keep this thing a little bit away from comedy. And talk about the life stuff, which we have. Okay. I think we've done okay. quite good. But no, just the... Um, I've also got a rock band called Muscle. Muscle. Which we've got a full album recorded, but we couldn't... Uh, Muscle kind of fell apart a bit because the band members... Oh. One, the bass player punched the producer and one of the producers <laughs> in the face and knocked his teeth out. Why? Because it's rock and roll, man. Oh, jeez. ACDC got nothing on us, man. I don't... Akadaka? Akadaka. AC Lightning Bolt DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's just... as a. I actually probably shouldn't have said that because that sounds scandalous. Nah. I like a scandal. (laughs) It might have been a scandal. It did. It happened. It happened. So kind of at that point, we kind of stopped. I kind of... Everyone stepped back and went, ooh, maybe we want to take a break from this. Mm. But that was was muscle. I want to go to the theater. Rock band. Theater. Let's talk theater. Can you talk theater? Do you want to talk theater with a piece of shit comedian? Is that... Yeah, I studied. I trained as an actor. You trained as an actor and you also perform regularly in stage productions? Yes, I I run a theater company called the Comedians Theater Company with Maggie Inchley. Right. Who is is a director who I met through Alan Francis, who's a comedian. Right. And we had this idea. We'd done... I'd been in a couple of productions at that point in um, 12 Angry Men, which was a bunch of comedians. And um, one for The Cuckoo's Nest, which had comedians around Christian Slater and Francis Bond. Yeah. And the next year they were doing uh, they were doing The Odd Couple and I wasn't asked to be in it. And I was like, hang on a minute, how come I wasn't asked to be in it? <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of, so so I thought, well, I'll just do my own. Right. So I started the Comedian Theater Company and I thought I'm going to do, I did one with Maggie mm. uh, called uh, Zoo Story. And uh, that's where that started. I just, we had a conversation with her coming back from, the National Theatre, we'd watched Buried Child and with a group of uh, uh, people from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Maggie was with us. And mm. uh, she said, I said, well, we could do another. We could do our own. So we, I did. And then 
someone dropped out of that production of the odd couple and I ended up being in the odd couple as well. <laughs> but, um, but at that point I realized I, it's, you know, the idea of having comedians in works of theater can not really suits me because I re- became reacquainted with my love of acting the, yeah. or how I, how much, I mean, my love of acting is, it's actually what I'd rather be doing. If I, if I, if I had a choice between acting and comedy, well, stage acting, stage acting, I, I never, not because, film because, acting. Because, no, because the way I was raised, I wasn't allowed to listen to, to secular music or watch. I mean, we did as teenagers a bit, but I don't really remember that. I, I know that my parents were dead hearts set against TV and film. So I, I wasn't, I didn't not I, exposed to it, so you can't aspire to it. No, I like the. I like the, it was the it was the Nicholas Pennell yeah, aerial drama. That's it's silencing the, the, the room. I think I think theater. I know I'm sure. It, uh, like I'm not a great um, television or film actor. I'm not even mm. a great theater actor. But I, I I just prefer the long form. Yeah, I prefer being in a piece where I have to be in that character for the whole time. And there's a response from the crowd, which I guess yeah. you'd be used to, and all that stuff. You can yeah. And, I, and and you know I do little bits of TV here and there, but I I don't I don't feel that same kind of I don't get the same kind of thrill out of it. They're nice jobs, yeah. They, they raise your raise your profile, but they're not. Stage acting is mm. really virtually impossible to make a uh, living at, yeah. Um, unless unless you're extraordinarily talented and supplementing it with film acting. other stuff. Yeah. Well, I was I was gonna say as a as a I guess comedian slash I like you're gonna doing a lot of both. Do you get resentment from actors for doing comedy? Do they kind of look down on it in the same way the old school you headliners know, would look down on the musical act? You know what? I just don't know that well. Some do. It's funny. I I did a I did a I did a a, a workshop recently with Tony Kirshner, mm. who is quite famous. He's very famous, Academy Award, famous and oh, wow. um, and uh, it was at the National Theatre. And it was all actors. I mean, really great actors. I mean, mm. fucking amazing actors. And I and I couldn't believe I was sitting there, uh, and and I knew the director. And I think uh, Jeremy and I could, went way back. And I I was like, oh my god, I I, I was a little bit uh, really intimidated by it. Well, I did my best. I had to play three. It was a reading of a new script, and it was mm. a workshop. And uh, and I just but I felt like I told when I said to them, I'm a stand up comedian. They're like, oh wow, like comedian <laughs> actors, like oh my god, I would, I can't imagine doing that. Like yeah. And I'm like, but you you've been on like you've played, you know, Petruchio at the Globe Theater. I mean, that's yeah. for me, it's like that's what that would be an amazing accomplishment. And then I kind of got the feeling as the thing went on that they I don't know if I wasn't doing a good job. Like I did the best job I could. Mm. Uh, but I just got the feeling that there's a little bit like, oh right, this guy's just a comedian. <laughs> oh, no. And I and I and I felt that. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but I don't know oh, if, it's, if it was my paranoia projecting yeah. that. But I felt it like I could I kind of and I kept looking at Tony thinking, oh, I'm like, I, I want to get this so right for him. Like I, yeah. I really want and not only do I want to get it right for him, I met the National Theater, there's cast the casting departments there. Yeah. I just, I just want to There's a professional uh, element uh, as well. Well, as a professional an opportunity for me to go mm. i really want to be doing work at that level uh you know because it's hard to do children's theater for the rest of your life and i didn't sure. want to because i did some children's theater when right I, you know so i i wanted to i my goal would be to be to do you know a, a a great character one of the great shakespearean characters at the globe theater at the rsc mm. that would know, be, that'd be one, one of my because you've one, done one of my goals. you've done like west end stuff I've done a couple of Western shows, yeah. Yeah, like very successful. The everyone's talking about Jamie. Every, yeah. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Yeah. It just was the last thing I did, yeah. Yeah, like so you've done like a lot. Like it's not like you're not accomplished. Yeah, as an actor. yeah, but there's, but there's, there's something there's something about the, the national club. theater yeah, like, okay. in the UK. There's something about you know. Well, it's just, just I would like I I would like to basically it's the same as in comedy. I feel like I'm sort of a new act. Sure. Yeah, for act for in acting, so I've got to just accept that. And yeah. I'm, I'm a bit older, but uh, uh, but I feel like I've got all this experience of wealth of experience doing comedy mm. that that helps me be a better actor. I think I think actors are better when they learn other skills. Sure. You know, I think no. I think anyone's better if you if you if you diversify your skills. Well, yeah, I was I was just curious because I know obviously from like the reverse side, if someone gets into comedy in order to become an actor, yeah, like they're just like trying to get seen so they can get cast and stuff and yeah. then like give the comedy up. Yeah, Comedians yeah, yeah. get really shitty because, you know, we're, we're, we're petty people. You, like, we're just ma- like, imagine, what are you doing Im- our thing for? Imagine being an actor, imagine being an actor of many years mm. no, and a good, a good one and a respected one. Yeah. You're struggling to, to get by doing the commercial now and again to, mm. to, 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 oh, so you can pay for your house and your family yeah, or whatever. And then you see, uh, you know, you see a, a, 
a Black Mirror episode and it's got a stand-up comedian in it. And you're just thinking, well, wait a minute. Yeah. But to me, I don't see it like that. To me, I see it like that guy's also worked really, really hard to mm. add his craft, to, to get his profile to a point where uh, he's seen as someone, a profile that is that allows the gives the the confidence to the production company to put him in it. Yeah. So I kind of see it as both. And I think there's no right way or wrong way. Well, yeah, you know? I mean... But I, I, I mean, I, there's nothing I love more than going and watch a, 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 you know, an amazing play. Mm. You know, because actors, really, really great actors. But Justin Edwards, you know, the, these, he was a comedian no. and a, a sketch. Uh, he was a sketcher. But what was... Was he in The Consultants? I can't remember the name. I think it was The Consultants. It was the sketch troupe. But he's on Broadway in... in uh, wow. You know, he's doing... Uh, what, what's it called? I've lost the name of the play, but yeah. he, but you know he's he's acting on Broadway. He's he's gone across. He's 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 a great actor. Yeah, I mean, I, he, I was in, he was in the Rev. He plays one of the. the yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you know, but his skills have come out of doing sketch and stand up and yeah. music and stuff. Well, I just because yeah, it's just I guess it's just interesting because coming coming to the UK from like kind of like a point of you know a low point in LA after yeah. like a lot of high points yeah. very quickly yeah and then. I don't know. It's weird because, like, just as an outside person, like looking at your skill set, yeah, like what a this seems like a really good place for you, yeah. Because like, there's the huge, the huge, like this this country, like the UK, like there's the huge live comedy scene, yeah. There's legitimate theater, like like Australia doesn't have theater. I don't know what Canada's like. Australia's got like you know a couple of productions, yeah, here and there. Toronto's the the you know the art city. It still struggles, I think. Yeah, know? like whereas Can, like, Canadians like Aussies, Canadians would rather go and watch ice hockey. Of course, we prefer sports. That's well, you're outdoor. You got all that outdoors. Why wouldn't you go and use it? Yeah, and like the other thing is uh, in Australia, and I assume in Canada, sports are prime time, whereas sure. here sports are in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, so sure. So you can you in England you could go see a football match live yeah, and right. a theater show live yeah, in the right. same day, which in Australia would be. The weirdest day ever. Like yeah, you'd have to plan that years in advance. If I just developed my skills properly, I could actually play play professional football in the afternoon. Exactly. Do a bit of da- dance recital around <laughs> six. Uh, do a play and then do some late night comedy. Yeah, exactly. Close the store. Jesus, that's it. You could do it. like here. You can do that. I like, wish I tried harder. Oh man, I, look. I really hope <laughs> no one ever tries as hard as you again as an as an Australian. Like just the sheer Don't amount you think of it's effort. Bit shit though. If I've tried this hard and and I'm still doing like little tiny venues and no shit? haven't i failed no am i not a complete failure no, not, not that i'm aware of all right unless unless you unless your website's guess, highlighting I, the good bits i, I guess i know i guess that well we are but i i, I guess <laughs> i guess i guess i guess the item but we are though yeah but i guess the 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 the, the indirect lesson would be that you got to just be happy with what you're doing i guess i mean it's a bit cliche but but we no no I never am. I think you always. I think it's really hard to be to be feel secure, especially in stand up specifically, mm. but in the arts in general. But stand up specifically, it's really the security has to come from within because there's nothing you can be. You know, it's uh, that's life. That's what people say. Right now in April, shut down in May. I mean, it's just it's one of those things, isn't it? I constantly doubt myself. I wake myself up in the middle of the night worried that i've mm. done something wrong or i've insulted the wrong person or or i've said i've haven't approached something properly i mean i I did, I did a casting this week and i did for a part that i thought it'd be perfect for and it's a small thing and it's it's not not there's not even a good pair blah blah and i and i didn't get it and so mm. well who knows who else i'm sure when i see the thing if i ever if i ever see it yeah i'm not gonna go and look for it i'm sure the person that plays the part will be brilliant Mm. So you can stop thinking of it as like, that's my part or that's my thing or mm. I should be doing that and thinking someone's got to do it. It'd be better that someone's doing it than nobody. Yeah. And I've always, it was a thing that Stuart Lee, we worked together in Stu, Stu, Stewie, <laughs> Stu baby. And when we did, he directed um, a comedian's theater company piece um, called Talk Radio, the Eric Bogosian script. And he said something to me, I don't know if he even remembers saying it or not, but he we were just talking and we just got to the conclusion together, but he said that there's not enough comedians. And I was like, yeah, you're, yeah, actually, you're right. Because you know people come, there's too many comedians. It's like, no, there's not enough. In this country, since I started to now, yeah. there's about maybe 40 times as many comedians. I don't know if it's an exaggeration. There was, there was about 800 of us originally, and now there's like thousands, thousands. Everyone wants to be a comedian. And you could go, oh, there's too many comedians, but no, 
and then I've I've taken that gun. There's no there's not enough singers. There's not enough dancers. There's not enough comedians. There's not enough artists. There's mm. not enough arts. There's not enough arts. There's not enough gener, gen, generating new ideas and creative ideas in general, which is why the world is in the state it's in, which is why this incredibly small-minded fascist racist thinking is prevalent in the society because there's not enough comedians if only had more comedians if only we, did, we, we need could, more comedians we could so open it up a if bit. you're listening to this and you're not a comedian do yourself a favor find an open spot go and do it go and do it yeah it could be ed burn take my job could take, be ed take, burn. Ed, take, ed, take ed burn's job he's already got a house he's doing fine apparently he's got a really he's nice fine. house someone was, someone was well, telling me about the niceness just, of his he house just, he's just put a some something over his swimming pool so it's now an indoor swimming pool oh come on I know. come on mate pull your head in he can't even swim <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> that's why I put the cover on it's no one can see exactly. him exactly <laughs> no one can see him doggy paddling around being like shit yeah, can't make exactly. it well, you just made me feel unsuccessful again shit how did it make you feel I unsuccessful talk again talk about Ed Burns pool do you want a pool no exactly <laughs> fuck him he's got to clean it no, he's, pre- uh, he's paying someone to clean it yeah he's paying it. he's got a little Korean man he's, that he's, he's paying that's me that's not a racist but it wasn't meant it wasn't meant to be <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to leave it there I yeah, think I sure. think this has been sure. oh, I kind of no no what, what can't you leave it it's, I, it's been was, really long it has been really long it's never, I've never had one this long but I okay. I've refused to cut it short okay, well well you never know well no it's just that thing where I don't know you could have just you could skip this whole podcast and just go and read my website <laughs> no this is there's so much more here that I adore but wait right, one sorry one last thing and then I okay. promise to let you okay. go I know you, I know you got you got things on but you're, you're taking you take you've been hard to pin down. Yeah, I'll I am get... going. I'm going today to go and watch Izzy Mant, who is a uh, uh, well, she was a t- television producer. She's decided uh, she decided that she wanted to start doing stand up, yeah. and jumped in with both feet because she's the kind of person she is uh, to uh, do a one woman show. Which wow, she, which she's been. She uh, I helped her with a little bit last year. Um, and I'm going to go and see it at the Hen and Chickens tonight, and then go and do my do my new material night that I'm running with Sarah Callahan and uh, the Deliverer, Ru- Ru- Russell Hicks. The and then next week, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. the next week. Um, yeah, because you you also started Old Rope. I did start Old Rope, the very famous Ke- Old Rope. Kerry Ke- Marks and I were were the originators of Old Rope. Yeah, the These very years before uh, London's East most East famous East new material East evening. Home. It is, it was, and that was my and now you've started another new material evening. The night well, after. Yes. Well, you know, Old Rope I was uh, beneficial for me for quite some time. I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that I asked a young, a young, brand fresh-faced comedian called Tiff Stevenson. I asked her to come and help me out because I, I, I mean, this is just me. I'm kind of being arrogant, but I'm just ahead of the curve, thinking mm-hmm. there needs, there's not enough di- diversity. And uh, Tiff was very talented, so we thought, well, Tiff started helping me. And then uh, just over time, my career took off and I became unavailable to do it as often. Yeah. Uh, Tiff took it on as her own show and it's been very successful. It was successful before and it is successful now. I hope it continues to be successful. But it moved for me, it moved away, it has moved away slightly from uh, the original intention was a very egalitarian uh, uh, concept that anyone who showed up would get put on sure uh, we sometimes had 13 14 comedians and that went on forever and it was it was a mess <laughs> uh a streamlined it slightly but also it's because it's become popular and successful it tends to be a certain level of comedian uh the that is allowed to perform there and it's i and i know i hear from people i was getting emails from people saying oh well i can't I'm not getting any mm. information back so i thought well i'll, I'll it's, the room we're in is smaller it's on a tuesday uh, it's in the tap room. It's um, any any single comedian that I know who's a professional mm. who has written to me has been put on. Yeah. So, but it ha- you have to be uh, at a certain level, a certain level of professional. Like, you can't be an open spot. Yeah. Although I'm not against putting open spots on because when I first saw James Acaster when I was doing Old Rope, mm. uh, he was doing an open spot, and and I w- said to him immediately following the gig, "I've got a new material night, and you should come and do it." And mm-hmm. he's been doing it ever since. Yeah. Whether I can get him to come to the delivery room or not, I don't know. Who knows? I didn't even say probably the delivery room. The delivery room? Delivery Things are going delivery. quite well. But uh, yeah, but I, like in the same essence, there's not enough comedians, there's not enough new material nights. Yeah. So there's room for old rope. Uh, and the fact that it's successful means that I was doing something right. Yeah. And so the, the, the delivery room, <laughs> the delivery room, <laughs> the will hopefully. You cannot say. Today, 
Uh, delivery yeah. room will hopefully be uh, uh, equally as successful and have uh, the same kind of longevity. Just as successful, I'm yeah. sure. With a with well, a with a new you, crew of you can only try it. The idea is to tag. have have fun creating comedy. That's it. All right, we'll leave it there. Beautiful, Phil Nickel. Any anywhere anywhere people can find you. You still got some tour dates for yeah. your wrong? Uh, yes. Well, I'm kind of on the international leg of it now, so oh. I'm doing Paris, uh, Amsterdam, um, doing the Baltics. Nice. I, 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 just, I, I was just in Estonia. Do you have a Sto- Do you have Estonian listeners? I mean, maybe after my I'm, after my red hot gigs there. I'm playing Tallinn and uh, and I'm doing a Helsinki, and then I'm going to Southeast Asia. Nice. And I'm doing New Zealand. If you have any, any Kiwi listeners, I'm yeah. doing New Zealand. We got in some May. Kiwis. We had Jared Christmas on. Did yeah. you get some across? Oh, I love Jared Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing Wellington and uh, Auckland. Uh, those are all tour dates. Those are all you're wrong. Yeah. But I'm also doing, I do club dates. I'm back on the, doing club circuit. Yeah. The, uh, the, king, the king crusher in the club. Yeah. The unfollowable well, Phil Nickel. Well, I don't know about that. But Avo- avoid him at all costs. If you're a comedian, as an audience member, see him. Don't sit in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for taking the thanks, time. Thank you, man. All right, that was my chat with Phil Nickel. Oh, man, what a career. I can't believe, like, he was the next big thing. You know how many next big things there are in the world? I mean, heaps, probably quite a lot. (laughs) Probably quite a lot of people are the next big thing for a bit. But, like, auditioning for Spielberg, being on Mad TV, being the toast of the town in L.A., having the marriage break down. It's like... It's like, a, it's like a movie. It's like a movie about fame. That was actually his life. And then you talk to the dude, and I don't know if it's just the theater training. Like, I don't know if there's more to it than that. But, like, he's just so humble. Uh, he's, like, so kind. Like, he actually cares. And the thing that I found really uh, weird was just the way that he seemed to constantly be like, Oh, am I a failure? It's like you met the Queen. You auditioned for Spielberg. You were on TV. You conquered the comedy world as part of a comedy punk band and then did it all again by yourself, even though the game's changed. Like I think that's one of the things that people underestimate in comedy. It's like you can be really good for a bit. Like comedy ages terribly. Like, you know how there's classical music? And it's just like, yeah, this is a music from a different time. It features these instruments and it's kind of timeless. Comedy's not like that, man. Like, I know Lenny Bruce is like considered the king for kind of starting things in America in a lot of ways, like bringing the kind of swearing and the say whatever you want and like taking it away from that borscht joke tradition. But if you listen to Lenny Bruce now, it's tough sledding. Like... It is not current. Like, it ages like a motherfucker. And Phil has just kind of rolled with everything. Like, he's ridden the different waves of comedy. And, you know, as, as I said, if you talk to any UK comedian, they're like, you do not want to follow Phil Nickel in a club. And then if you go see him in Edinburgh or on his tours, he's doing like an 80-minute storytelling show. He has a new show every year, as is the Edinburgh tradition. And then in addition to that, he's doing all this acting and other stuff, like legitimate theater in, in a way that makes me terrified as an Australian person. But yeah, it was, um, I think, you know, he's like, ah, my failure, ah, is this a good career? I'm like, man, it sounds like a good enough career. If I roll up at his age, I still don't know how old he is, but it's definitely older than I expected. I'll put a photo in there because he looks, he looks like uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's real weird. I, I didn't I didn't notice it until he pointed it out. I was like, holy shit, yeah, there's a resemblance. Uh, but yeah, if I if I have a career half as interesting as that, man, I'll be happy. And I think plenty of comedians would say the same. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. As always, if you like our guests, please go see them live because seeing comedy live is what it's all about. Uh, I know I can speak from an Australian perspective where we don't really get out there and see live comedy too much. It is much better in the UK. Uh, You guys are good at going and seeing stuff, comedy, music, whatever, you guys are out there. But if you have not taken the time to go see a comedian live, definitely do it. It is much better. 
you can look at the videos. There are heaps of them online of Phil Nickel, but I promise you there is nothing quite like the energy he puts out when you see him live on stage. Highly recommend doing that. Uh, if you want to get around the podcast, as always, we're on iTunes. Give us a, give us a review. Give us a little rating. Uh, very much appreciate that on Apple Podcasts as well, on Spotify um, and on Laughable. That's the place where I listen to podcasts on Laughable. It is a great app and a great place to discover new podcasts as well as check in on your favorites. And beyond that, we just created our uh, podcast Twitter account. We finally did one. I thought I should. I think Twitter is a horrible place, but it is a good thing to catch up on stuff that you're following. So I guess this podcast counts. Uh, it is at the Union Jackoff. If you follow that, you can get all the episode updates and probably some details on where people on the podcast will be performing next and stuff like that. Any cool announcements they have. Uh, that's it. Jerkoffs, it's a pleasure. Our first two-part episode. I know this second part was probably more heavy on the comedy than the Union Jack, but I'm sure you will have still found it interesting. All right, catch you next week. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Bye. Bye.